Hello, it's me, Sarah Russell, and welcome to the second episode of the Women's Domain podcast. In this episode, I sat down and chatted with Talia Shani, who is the Director of Marketing UK at Yotpo. But actually, more importantly, for me anyway, she is the founder of Amazing Women in E-Commerce, an absolutely fantastic network for women in our industry. We spoke so much about how women should really just trust our instincts and not be afraid of being challenged on our ideas, embrace the challenge, and actually how we're never more powerful than when we're building each other up, when we're collaborating and communicating. And actually we thrive so much when we're in a community, especially if it's a community we've built together. So sit back, grab a cup of tea and enjoy the episode. It's a good one. Thank you very much, Talia, for joining me on the Women's Domain podcast. This is our second episode. Uh, so thank you very much for joining. Thank uh, you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, cool. Well, in case you didn't know, uh, you are the Director of Marketing for the UK for <laughs> Yotto. And that's great. And also the founder of the amazing women in e-commerce community. Um, and this is really what I want to talk about today, because I'm all about celebrating women and uh, raising the profile for women in e-commerce. Um, but I guess to start off, let's go back to the beginning. And if you could kind of give me a bit of insight on how your career began and sort of what inspired you to create um, the community. Sure. My career is a, you know, a funny, I got, a, it was a funny road to where I am today. Um, I went to university for, I went to hotel school. I don't know if you call it like hospitality school yeah. here. If they have like an equivalent. So in the US, I went to what we call hotel school, which is really like a business degree, but like with a focus on um, hotels and restaurants. And after um, graduating from university, I actually was a cook in a restaurant, uh, in several restaurants. So I worked in New York City, where I'm from, um, for about three years cooking in restaurants. I loved it, but it was a very hard lifestyle. Um, it's also a very male dominated industry. Um, I do think that might have played somewhat into my decisions to to leave that as well. Um, there's a lot of factors though, um, and I sort of ran away from that to go do um, my master's in Israel, uh, where my family's from. And um, after I finished my master's, I kind of had this picture in my head of I really want to work in a startup. And at that time, I mean, we're talking about now probably it's you know nine or 10 years ago. I don't even think I knew what a startup was, but I was like, I had this, this vision in my head. I want to work at a startup. That's what I want to do. Um, so I had like a couple of jobs in marketing at a few different companies. And then I um, saw this position open up at Yapo. Um, and at the time, Yapo was maybe 20 people in like a small office in, uh, in Tel Aviv. Um, and I would have been their first marketing hire, or I was their first marketing hire. Um, and so, uh, I mean, long story short, that was, I've been working now at Yapo for eight, eight and a half years. Um, so eight and a half years ago, I started my career at Yapo and that was largely like my, most of my career in marketing has been at Yapo. Um, I started there as a marketing manager. Then I was a content director managing our content team. Um, and when we opened our office in the UK, I came as a member of the founding team um, to represent marketing in the region. Uh, now I am um, managing a team of people that is 
uh, sort of responsible for the marketing in the UK, um, EU, and Australia. Uh, so we have a kind of big, big scope. So then you made that kind of step, you know, you said you, you wanted to do startup and then the marketing uh, career you know, began. Did you encounter many challenges or obstacles, you know, beginning of your career? Because, um, I mean, I, the assumption is that it was very male dominated the, the e-com world at that point was even more male dominated than it is now but from my point I mean I don't know how you feel about marketing but I feel like the marketing side is always very female heavy um so how was that kind of balance and did you find any challenges with that yeah I would say in the specific realm I was in when I started my career was actually the Israeli tech world is like where I started I think when I started I had this idea of being in marketing but I didn't know what marketing was and I wouldn't call myself a marketer then I I grew into be, being a marketer um and so yes that was a very male-dominated field um I was um I mean, I was the only, you know, we had a team at that time that was, the company was so small, that team was doing biz dev, partnerships, marketing. It was a team of four or five people. I was the only woman there. Um, and um, I would say, yeah, even at that time, I mean, most of my experience in marketing was was also, it was male dominated in, in that specific region. Um, and uh, yeah, I definitely also resonate though with what you're saying is that now, nowadays for sure, our team at Yapo and also most of the people that I interact with um, in the wider ecosystem are women, which is which is great. No, it is. It's because uh, I think when we're looking at the, the tech world and you know, obviously we're, we're nailing down into e-commerce. Um, it's really the the tech heavy roles which are predominantly male. But I I, I do feel that particularly on the commercial side, you're seeing far more women coming through, uh, which is exciting. And obviously, you know. I think there's there's something to be said that we're playing to our strengths there um but also how we can encourage more women into tech roles because diversity is what you need to make to be successful yeah. so that's really interesting so at, at what point then did you did you find that inspiration then to found amazing women in e-commerce because i mean was it a light bulb moment or I think I think it was a little bit of a light bulb but let's say we we turn the light bulb on and then we uh, turned it up slowly. So I think it came from a few factors. Um, like I said, I started my, you know, even after university, I worked in this male dominated profession of cooking. And I think even from then I had this thought of women in the workplace, professional women, and how can women get ahead or what are the unique challenges women face in various workplaces. Um, so that's always been sort of something in, in the back of my, my head throughout my career. Um, and I think when I started Amazing Women in e-commerce, first of all, I wish I, I can't remember the year. Let's say it was 2018. It was a time when women's empowerment was very, it was getting a lot of um, attention. I think it was around Me Too movement. Um, but I think in general, that was something that you, you know, you couldn't not be reading about sort of every day in the news on, on the internet. Um, and so it was this amplification of something that I've always been interested in. And I think personally, um, I'd probably been at the company for maybe four or five years. Um, and I love Yapo so much and I love marketing. Um, but I think for me, I also was, um, searching for like a little bit more of a purpose. And I was thinking, how can I apply my skills into something that can have a wider, 
um, a wider reach than just commercial, which commercial is like super interesting for me. And I think there are commercial elements to amazing women in e-commerce, but you know, can I make an impact? Um, and so I think those two things together combined with the fact that as a company, and as like you said, a lot of women on a marketing team, um, this was also around the time of like D2C becoming like trendy and cool. And a lot of those brands, and I'm thinking about like um, Glossier and Away Travel, that kind of stuff in those early um, D2C years were, were women-led brands. And there was tons of news around, um, you know, these incredible founders um, that are women. And so what was interesting is that although tech is traditionally seen as like a male dominated workspace, we were seeing um, lots of amazing women specifically in e-commerce and all of the women on the team would sort of be forwarding articles to each other and saying, oh, you know, look at this woman or did you know that this founder is a woman and look at this cool brand. And that's when it started. I think the light bulb started turning on in terms of there's definitely some kind of opportunity here around recognizing that e-commerce is this amazing space for women to grow in the tech world. Um, so that's probably the initial idea that started. Um, then um, it turned into this idea of highlighting who are these amazing women. Like, honestly, selfishly, I wanted to try to talk to some of them. And so I was like, how can I get in touch with these women? Um, and then I think what really clicked it all together, what brought it all together was the idea of creating um, this community where we were getting nominations from the wider e-commerce community for people to nominate their colleagues or people that they admired as amazing women in e-commerce, uh, as well as the charity aspect of Yapo um, donating money to uh, women and girls charities um, on the back of amazing women in e-commerce. So that was like, I think, I don't know, five different elements that came together to be that, that light bulb being switched on. But how, how did it feel? Because I know when we launched the women's domain and this, you know, this is an initiative that, you know, uh, an agency in Birmingham we, we, we've launched. And, and it was purely because um, as a marketing team, when it came to International Women's Day, we, we didn't want to do the photo of us hashtag <laughs> in an e-com kind of, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's fine that that happens, but we've already done that. And we wanted to, you know, and I was talking to my colleague, Michelle, and both of us are mums. And, you know, we've really um, not particularly right now, but, you know, in my career, I've really felt the impact of that kind of motherhood pressure and penalty, as it were, when it comes to career progression, finances, all of this. And, you know, we were looking at women in tech, women in leadership. And we're like, well, actually, there is so many amazing women that we've got in this industry that we'd love to interview, we'd love to talk to, you know, we found the amazing women in e-commerce community and we're like, we've got to join that, look at, you know, that's awesome. And then starting to feel part of something, but as an individual who only joined the e-commerce world, what, last year? You know, I've been in tech for a while, I've been in marketing for a while, in in, in publishing, etc. I felt, you know, a sense of imposter syndrome, like who, who the hell do I think I am? Yeah. Doing this campaign, feeling like, you know, suddenly I'm going to give a voice to people. I mean, like, what sounds really stupid. But like from your perspective, did you ever did you ever have moments of doubt or think, you know, what happens if it if it fails? What happens if I don't if it's not the success I want it to be? I. I had such a massive moment of doubt. So basically, when I when I originally started coming up with this idea, um, I pitched it to two friends of mine in the company, probably like, you know, 
you know, two people that I was really close with. One of, one of whom is still a very close friend of mine. And I said, guys, I have this idea. I want to share it with you. And they both told me, absolutely not. They were like, Talia, this makes no sense. Why would anybody care? Who are we to decide who the amazing women are? You know, every sort of hole that could be poked in the idea, they did it. Okay. And that was a huge moment of doubt for me because I was just thinking, if these people don't believe in it, who's going to believe in it? And I kind of knew I was going to have to prove out this idea. I was going to have to sell it to get marketing resources and company resources for it. Um, so that was a, a massive, a massive moment of doubt. Um, but I think it's just one of those things. And now obviously I can say it in retrospect when we see how huge Amazing Women in e-commerce has become. Um, like, I think a lot of times when people have that like divine inspiration and like they have this idea for a project and you just believe in it and it's just like, fine, like maybe these people hate it. Maybe I'm going to face this obstacle. Maybe I have this doubt, but I know that this is, this is a winner. I know that this is something we should do. Um, and so I thank goodness trust in my gut and still kept pushing it forward. It would have been so easy to stop after my, you know, two friends told me they didn't like it, but I kept pushing it forward. And I was like, let me pitch it to this person. Let me try this person. Let me try this person. And the more and more people that heard about it, it sort of started sort of snowballing. And I was getting more and more support that helped me build my confidence to eventually just be like, here's my pitch. Like, this is what we need to do. Um, and so, yeah, it was one of those things of, you know, thank goodness I listened to my gut there. Um, and kind of said, okay, you know what, they cannot like it. It doesn't mean it's not a good idea. Um, and thank goodness there were people who also really liked it early on and really supported me. Yeah. I mean, it sounds I mean in our first podcast, we spoke to, uh, Rita Harnett from Wavemaker and we were talking about being brave. Yeah. And I think that's su such an important thing for us as women to, to feel that empowerment and, and to believe in ourselves and to not second guess and to, um, not you know that kind of I call it sort of professional gaslighting where it's you're you're consistently told that actually the ideas aren't as good um then somehow they actually end up in the strategy and someone else it was be, it's yeah. someone else's idea um, yeah. so if you're not brave if you don't push through you're gonna miss your chance you know yeah yeah with my um I have uh two two daughters one is two and a half one's four and a half months um and with um how sleep <laughs> what oh you know what this is so funny actually now that you ask this so we we have divided the labor in my family my husband bless him has done all of the late nights with my oldest daughter and with my with our baby daughter he is like the night guy so he has been um i get sleep from from day one and he's the one who does primarily all of the the late nights with the baby but now uh, the four month, the, the four and a half month old is sleeping better than the two and a half year old. So I have the two and a half year old. So I was the one who was up all night because she kept waking up and yeah. And the, the four month old has like just started to sleep through touch wood. I know that that's going to change. I'm sure there's something on the horizon, but he got more sleep than me, which is, which is not fair, which is honestly rude. Oh, I think that's <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's not the point. Um, the with my uh two and a half year old you know like what what we always tell her because now she's developed this weird she gets she has all these fears suddenly she has this personality and she's you know she's afraid of bugs she just decided she's afraid of bugs i don't know where she got it from because i try to act brave around her i'm afraid of bugs too um and we tell her you know it's not it's okay to be scared being brave is not about not being scared it's about being scared and doing it anyway 
Um, and so that's, yeah, I'd say my experience with like, uh, with amazing women in e-commerce was exactly that I was scared and I did it anyway and look how much it paid off. And yeah, it's given me more confidence in myself, um, since then. Um, but I'll say it's always, it's always a struggle. And, um, one thing that I think I've learned that I have to remind myself of is that, um, a lot of the times I think women because we have we tend to have imposter syndrome um sometimes the doubt is amplified when people start to ask questions and those questions can be tough questions and they can be questions that poke huge holes but it doesn't mean that the person asking the questions doesn't believe in it and it doesn't mean that the idea doesn't work right it's like it might need more work um maybe yeah there's there's things that we can update um maybe they're just making you think differently, but like to take those questions and use it basically to make the idea stronger is, is really important. And also some ideas suck and shouldn't go further. And then the question asking process is great. Also, it's yeah. it does not do everything that you believe in all the time, but it yeah. is finding those moments of, of confidence and strength to push I've, forward. What you know is going to be good. I've definitely had some right old stinkers for ideas. I guess what you just said really reminds me, though, of this trait I find that women have, which is waiting for things to be perfect before you before you try them. Um, you know, we spoke to one of our clients, um, Catherine Salt from Plums uh, Lingerie, and one of her pieces of advice was just just do it. Just do it. You don't wait for perfection. You'd be waiting your entire life. Just you don't have to be the perfect um, applicant for the job or you know you don't have to tick all the essential skills boxes if you want the job apply for it because the man's going to apply for it and he's going to wing it you can wing it you know you don't you, you can think in your feet you can try that but you're absolutely right you know being being challenged isn't a negative thing if anything it makes you stronger yeah yeah that's that's so spot on and I I think um yeah, there's there's research that shows. I don't know if this came up when you were speaking with the with the Plums founder, but there's research that shows that um, when women are looking for a new role, like looking to leave their role, um, they will look for the same title. So if I'm a director and I want to leave, I'm looking for director roles. And when men are leaving their role to look for a new role, they look for the next title above. So if a man is a director, he's looking for a new role, he looks for VP plus. Um, and it is this idea that I am a perfect director. Like I, I'm a director now. I'm a perfect director. So let me just slot myself into that. Whereas the man is like, I'm a great director now, which means I could be an even better VP. Um, and, and you know, that's that's um I don't know. It's it's a it's a confidence that I I really admire. I, I envy, let's say. Um, and yeah, it's also so easy to talk about having that. And then in the moment, it's so easy to to yeah to be scared and to, to lean into those fears. I'm, I'm learning to talk back to that inner voice um, that says, oh, maybe, maybe it's not perfect. Maybe you're not good enough and say like, what evidence do you have to that? Right? Like maybe I am good enough. And um, yeah, but it's a, it's a struggle and something that I agree. It, it seems to affect women more than men. But like you say, it takes work. So when, you know, if a woman's listening to this thinking, all right, well, how, how do I be brave? How do I do this? It's, it's you know you have it's active work that you have to keep pushing through you know and, and those moments where you do have self-doubt or you or you get challenged and you don't like it or you know just you've got to take a moment a step back and go this is how I'm I'm going to push through this I'm going to try something different recognize those feelings and then yeah. you can work on them yeah it's and it is a lot about recognizing 
that it's a feeling and that we tend to talk to ourselves in this way that's not necessarily the reality, right? So yes, yeah, somebody challenges your idea for, I'll talk about myself, someone challenges my idea and I have that inner voice that's like, they hate it, it's, it's stupid. And then just having that conversation with myself that's like, wait, take a step back. What's the evidence that they hate the idea? What's the evidence that they think it's stupid? Okay, there isn't. Like, what do they do? They just asked a question. They challenged. And that is a good point that was made, right? That's a good challenge. Um, it is. It's constant work. It's getting a little bit easier, I'll say. Now, um, yeah, being, being uh, the, the role that I'm doing now um, in this market, I guess I've been doing it for five years. So after five years, it's getting a little bit easier. Um, but I, I also think about um, with my team, how to empower them and how to um, make sure that they, when I'm questioning them, that it's not about, it's not coming from a place of, I hate this idea. I'm doubting you. It's coming from a place of like, this is a great idea. Let's make it better. So that kind of idea of support mentoring is really key. Yeah. The support and mentoring. And I think really empowerment is such a, like a blanket term, um, that gets thrown around. But when I say empowering, I really mean I am trying to not do it for you, not give you all the answers. I'm trying to help you get there. Um, I think another thing women do is we take a lot on. So like, I'm very, um, like if I see someone struggling on my team, it doesn't have to be on my team. It could be anywhere. Right. If, if I see someone struggling um, with the answer to something, I'm like, Oh, let me like kind of jump in and, you know, be hands-on and, and actually the best thing, what I'm learning, the best thing you can do to empower people is take a step back, ask like coaching questions, kind of try to help them get there on their own um usually leads to better results and you're totally right it's that you know I, I really love I've always loved the metaphor and, and everyone that knows me is so bored of me saying this but mm -hmm. the idea of holding the ladder steady so if you're climbing up that ladder and you've got women climbing it behind you it's not about you dragging them up behind you and in, in you know holding their hand and everything but if you get to the top just hold it steady and let them find their way up it but you, you've created a path for them where you know that they feel a bit stronger they feel you know they they can see they can see you there so they're coming towards you um i've always loved that metaphor i love I that to... i think finally i think where the where i really learned this and i saw this um tendency in myself is becoming a mother and with my toddler as she learns to do things it's, it's such a trip when they're like it feels like between 18 months and two years it feels like they've aged like 20 years. Like it's, it's unbelievable how much they grow and change. And, um, when she's trying to do something, when she's trying to put two puzzle pieces together or trying to figure out how to put her shoes on, my instinct is to come and just, you know, I see her struggling and I want to come and, you know, here, I, I got it, babe, I'll put your shoe on and like learning, like when you sort of, I don't know if you're reading about parenting philosophy or tips or whatever, it's like, the thing is like, don't, don't come in there, let them figure it out, let them struggle. They need to struggle. That's how they learn problem solving. That's how they learn troubleshooting. Um, as long as they're not in danger or you know doing something crazy, it can take her five minutes to put her shoe on. Um, and in that time, she's learning so much about, I don't know how to, how to put shoes on and how shapes fit together and stuff. Um, so I would also say, as I say this, I realize it also comes a little bit from impatience. It's like, if I can get there faster, let me just do it. Um, and that's part of, I think, holding the ladder steady, not throwing the people up the ladder is like, it might like, you know, 
let them take the time and let them relish in that time because it makes people ultimately makes for stronger results. Absolutely. And it's interesting. Do you have two girls? I mean, I know you girls. Yep. So I have two yeah. boys. Okay. And one's five, five and a half. One's nearly about to turn three. And I mean, my, that idea of, of Ben tying his shoelaces or something. I mean, I could be there for 10, 15 years and I just, <laughs> I'm not the most patient mother in the world. It's, you know, it's something that I'm actively working on, but this, you know, this never ending juggle of, of life and then you know trying to watch my five-year-old son uh do his shoes and he, he's got him on the wrong feet ben okay I'll start, okay and, you know do this and okay and like deep breaths and i'm counting to 10 and i'm finding my inner zen and you know sometimes tali i just go and get some wine that's basically <laughs> okay that's um, definitely and then you're like, you know what shoes 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 like, fine. let's all you know let's all be free it's fine yeah. I am I, someone on my team. Uh, there's a um, someone on my team who's a mother as well. And this morning, I spoke with her about how um, I uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning now that whenever you're in a rush, the kids are taking their time. Um, and the more you rush, the more they're going to slow down. And that's very much like that. You know, it it really plays to my weaknesses because I am impatient and I do rush and I get sort of like anxious. Um, and she said something to me that I found so calming. She's like, are they really being slow or are you just noticing it more because you're in a rush? And I was like, that's actually a really, really good point. Like I don't, I, you know, the idea that my daughter's intentionally being slow, probably, I mean, that's a little bit, she is a little bit taking the piss, but um, <laughs> also, I'm noticing it more because I'm kind of in that in that manic rushing state. I think that's a really interesting take, actually. Yeah, I know. But on the other hand, <laughs> they know what they're doing. Yeah. My my kids know what they're doing. How how old are yours? So five and ne literally nearly three in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two very different personalities, but the five-year-old loves me to do everything for him. The three-year-old very much, um, if I try you know tantrum central but you know you can't have it all that's fine yeah um, but anyway so just going back to the amazing women in e-commerce so obviously you said 2018 you, you sort of began and you know and and what it looked like then to what it looks like now I mean let's talk about the work that you guys do and and the achievements that you've had particularly um tying into girls inc as well I'm really interested to hear about that sure so where it started was the first thing was let's interview some amazing women and pop it on the website and, and like honor them right well let's get i think the first step we took was like let's get 10 amazing women in e-commerce and create this idea of what does it mean to be an amazing woman in e-commerce because we knew if we go to market with this without an example of like what it is people are just going to be like what you know like what are you talking about like nice idea so before we even went live with the website, we had selected 10 women, interviewed them and posted profiles on the website. And then with that, we went to the community and we said, now nominate, like you see what, what we consider amazing, like now start nominating. Um, and so I remember when we, I mean, when we started the project, I thought we'll be lucky to get a hundred nominations, you know, like, and I think within the first 24 hours that it was open, 
we had like three or 400 in the first year that we did it, um, which was a, which was a crazy moment. And it was one of those moments of, I just see, I just shared my self doubt. I knew this was a great idea. I knew people were going to respond. It was going to resonate. Um, and yet I was still surprised when that, when that happened. Um, and so right away in our first year, we had, um, I think a thousand, uh, nominations in that first year, which was kind of exceeded all of the expectations that we had. Um, there was a, um, there was sort of a, we had the, let me, let me backtrack. Yapo donates money to Girls Inc. for every nomination we get. We donate uh, like $5 um, to Girls Inc. So when I, when we originally pitched this charity um, aspect of it, um, everyone was like, great idea, Talia, where are you going to get the money from? And I was like, I'm, I'm going to ask the CEO for it because there was no, I mean, there wasn't an avenue for like, how do you get money to donate to charity in the company? Um, and thankfully I've been at Yapo for a long time. So, so I know Tomer and I had a feeling he would support the idea. So I remember going to him and saying, look, Tomer, I want like some money for this. Um, you know, I think if we donate, you know, $5 per nomination, maybe we'll get a hundred. If we're lucky, it's $500, you know, like what, what do you, what do you think? And he was like, Talia, you should be asking me for 20 times that amount. He was like, this is a great idea. It's going to work and you need to be asking me for more money. And I literally in the room, I just go, uh, okay, can we have, twenty thousand dollars and he was like he was like get the nominations and and you can have it so i think in the end we didn't get enough nominations i think we got it you know like i said maybe a thousand nominations five five dollars each so we got about five thousand dollars of donation um but then i just had this thought in my head of he was willing to give that amount of money so why shouldn't we give it like let's let's do it and so this was you know two months after that first meeting, I don't know, three months after that first meeting, I go into the room with him again. And I say, look, you know, here's the results of this project. It resonated. People loved it. We got a thousand nominations. We should be donating $5,000. That's what we committed, you know, at $5 per um, nomination. But I think we should donate all 20. And he kind of gives me a look and he's like, it was a look of like, you know, you cheeky. Can I curse? I don't know if I can curse. You're, you're cheeky. I'll say. Um, and uh, he gave me a look and he was like, He's like, okay, Talia. He's like, okay, you did it. You like, you can have the 20 K and that moment, like, again, it was a moment of, I was being, I was being cheeky. Cause I was like, I don't think this is going to work, but let me see what I can get. Right. I thought worst case, he'll give me 10, like he'll give me 15 or something. I did not think we were going to get to donate all that 20 K. Um, and so we donated the 20 K, which was amazing. And also just that was everything I wanted to do with this project. And to, to have this feeling of like, we made a difference was, was so amazing, not just for me. I mean, for the whole company, like the feeling of um, being able to support this charity as a company was incredible since that time. Oh my gosh. I wish I had the number. I think we've donated probably 50,000, if not more to girls Inc. Um, over the years, like over like, you know, successes of donations over the years, when we do events, we also raise money for charities and locally we, oh, we're raising money for Rosa, um, uh, Rosa UK, which is like a UK women and girls charity. And we've also, we've now just entered into a partnership with the girls network, um, uh, which is a mentorship um, program. And they're super keen to like support amazing women in e-commerce and kind of be really involved with it. Um, 
And since that time when it was like sort of this idea of let's highlight these women, let's get um, donations for the community or let's get nominations from the community. Um, we now, we kind of said, okay, the next step is to create, create events. Now everybody has a story like this. Our first event was, you know, November, 2019, and we had 2020 planned, you know, one event a month. It was an amazing event. It was so good. Everyone loved it. And then of course, 2020 happened and we couldn't have any live events. We started to do online events. Um, and they're by far our most successful events as far as online events. And the content is amazing. Um, I think, um, I don't know if it's a good time to talk about it, but I think like one thing that's really important for me to say about amazing women in e-commerce as much as it's about female empowerment and like recognizing amazing women is it's been important for me from the start that this is like an e-commerce, um, this is like, this is a business um, community. So we actually don't really like in our events, try not to ask questions that we wouldn't ask a man on the same panel. So there are not questions that are, you know, the, the classic one that women get is how do you balance work and life? And it's like, what, you know, a man never gets that question. We really tried it. It's, it's actually supposed to be really incredible e-commerce minds that are women. Um, and again, for me, it's important because it's like, these are just amazing people who are at the top of their game and look, they're also women. How great is that? Um, so they are just like incredible e-commerce content um, on top of having this like this great message and raising money for charity. Um, and now what's amazing is that Ruthie, who's in charge of our community, has started to build this community around amazing women in e-commerce. So we have like a Slack channel. We have a newsletter. Um, we're doing more and more live events now that live events are starting to come back. Um, and we're really trying to connect women. Um, and probably the like my bi biggest success story with the project is that we had hosted an online event. There were two women on the panel working at completely different companies. Um, and I think six months later, I got in touch with one of the women to ask her to speak at another event. And she was like, oh, actually like I connected with so-and-so at your event and now I work for her. Um, and that is exactly what I want to happen. I want this to be like a community of women who are like trading knowledge and hiring each other and working together and doing amazing things in the industry. Do you think community is actually really key for women to thrive and be successful? Yes, I think women by nature um, are, are um, what's the word for it? We're like, like team, team players sounds cheesy, but, but we want to get buy-in from a lot of people. We wanna get consensus, we wanna get opinions. And by the way, again, like kind of to my point that I was making before, I think that's the way, the best way to do business and the best way to make decisions are in that way. So women naturally want to have a group around them. Um, and so I do think in that way, community is, is really important to like women kind of, yeah, growing in whatever industry they're in. I think we enjoy collaboration generally. I think we like to talk about things. We like to um yeah discuss and and you know is it because we need affirmation maybe um but yeah i think that idea of creative collaborations kind of in community is is something that we is 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 a way that we all really quite can, can, can thrive so that's really interesting so looking at the e-commerce industry like how how do you think it has changed or has it not changed for you or what kind of work do you think would be really key for for as an industry us to do I mean, from my point of view, like if I could think what the women's domain could have a role in is that, or not have a role in, but 
So we all have issues that we all really care about within this whole spectrum of, you know, the representation of women. And for me, you know, I always zone into the motherhood or parenthood angle and then the cost of childcare in the UK and um, and how absolutely disgusting it is, how how expensive it is and how it stops so many. And yes, women, not just it's, it's predominantly women returning to work, women who want to return to work, women who don't. Great. But women who do should be able to return to work. But I, as an individual, I'm not going to have much weight. But as an industry, if the e-commerce industry, which is, you know, putting through so much money into the economy, can put pressure on decision makers to change policy. That's for me one way that I think we could we could impact change. But from your experience, what do you think we could do as an industry? First of all, Sarah, that's incredible. I absolutely love that. And I'm so on board and I want to be involved in anything that you're doing to create change there. Um, it's it's insane. And it was something that I had no, literally, I, I just feel so stupid saying this, but I had no idea how expensive it was before I had kids and I needed to put them in nursery. And it is shocking. Um, and there is, I don't know if you, there's like a, she's like an Instagram account called pregnant then screwed. Yeah. And mother pucker as well. Okay. I don't know mother pucker. I'll, I'll check them out, but I think oh, her, she's named jo Jolie Brearley, Joely Brearley, mm -hmm. who's doing, I think, amazing work, like really, um, really pushing in government for changes there. And like the stuff that I learned, cause you know, I feel the pressure and then I see like, even to know, oh wait, this is, everybody feels this pressure. Everyone who has kids feels this pressure even that is just like, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, a bit, a bit makes you feel a bit better about it. Um, so absolutely incredible. And I would love to be involved in that. Um, as far as what, what we can do in the industry, I think what's, what's really interesting about the amazing women in e-commerce events that I've had a hand in organizing is that it is about sort of diversity in the tech industry. Right. And naturally when we have, um, when we put together these events, we, it's, it's diverse because we're putting forward women, but we're also seeing like all like different um, women of different backgrounds and, you know, race, religion and education and stuff. And like naturally we're seeing that diversity. And I don't know, maybe women, because we're already sort of feeling like a minority, we're like more likely to like have other minorities um, involved in us uh, with us in tech. But I think um, trying to be a champion for all sorts of diversity in the industry is really, really key. Um, and again, it's just, there's so much, um, research that shows that that is the best way to do business. It's the smartest way to do business is have this people coming from really diverse backgrounds and experiences coming together to make decisions. You're going to make better decisions that way. Um, so I think throughout everything, I think it's really interesting to talk about, like there's this commercial side, um, for example, with what you're talking about with childcare, keeping women working is is better for, for the economy. Like it's really good if women want to work. Um, so there is this like side of like, this also makes sense. And it's also like good for us as a society. Definitely. But when we're talking, you know, obviously in this industry it is still, you know, we're seeing some amazing women uh, in e-commerce obviously, but um, we do have far more men in leadership in particular. So how can our male colleagues or our male leaders really support this and encourage better representation of women in e-com? It's a great question. Um, I've had the benefit of, like I said, like our CEO, who's a man really supporting this project, for example, from the beginning. Um, there's a really, um, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I can't remember the woman's name. 
There's a woman who's really big in um, VC funding and, and specifically tries to get VC funding towards like marginalized uh, founders that come from marginalized communities. Um, and one of the things that she talks about is that um, men get to make more mistakes. So um, as a woman or as any sort of minority, I mean, women are not a minority to be clear, but in tech, let's say as any sort of um, person who's a minority in tech, you're, you might be, you have a little bit more spotlight, a little bit more scrutiny. You might be held up uh, as an example or something like that. And when you um, make a mistake, um, you're less likely to get a second chance, let's say, whereas men make mistakes all the time. Now, I mean, everyone makes mistakes all the time, to be clear, but men are sort of encouraged to like, okay, get up and try again. Um, and so uh, something that I really um, believe in is this idea, like, let's have like ample chances to make mistakes and let's let people make mistakes um, and let women know, like we talked about, we're perfectionists and we need affirmation and stuff like that. Let women know that it's okay to make mistakes. And um like most mistakes when we're talking about business, like they're not, they're certainly not life or death. And they're usually just a big learning. It's really, it's so cheesy. So that, you know, you, you, you learn something from a mistake, but it's actually just, okay, this could have been done a little bit better. Not like we completely ruined everything by making this mistake. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's something I think men, anyone can do men, women, anyone who wants to be an ally to the cause can say like, s support this idea of like making mistakes. Not everything has to be perfect. Let's just keep going uh, and getting better with each go. Absolutely. And I think that's massive. You know, that's, that's really about culture change within companies. And I think that only comes when the leadership is diverse and is inclusive, because if you have those different voices leading that company, they're creating that culture where you, you, you it's inclusive for people of all backgrounds, of genders, of identities. Um, and it, and it gives them that, that safe that safe space. We've, we've said a lot of cheesy stuff in this podcast. Your cheese balls, yeah. We haven't said the word journey yet, but, you know, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> but absolutely. I will, just before we go, because I don't want to take up any more of your time because it's, it's been amazing, but um, I know you're a busy woman, but have you had a piece of advice in your career that has really resonated with you or... Could you share it with, you know, if we could picture a woman starting out her career in tech or e-commerce and has all these feelings we've spoken about, what advice would you give her? Um, sure. I will. I'll call out my boss, Omer, who very early on in my career, when I was a baby marketer, um, I would, you know, come to work every day. And, you know, when, when I was just being trained in things like that, it was like, Talia, you know, can you do this, take care of this? You know, we were trying to get, you know, social media channels going, blog going, you know, talk to this person, talk to that person. Um, and I sort of had this like little checklist that I would like work through every day. And, you know, that lasted me a few weeks. And then like one day um, I finished it and I went to Omer, my boss, who was my boss at the time, still my boss. Uh, and I said, um, Hey, I'm done with, you know, all the tasks that you've given me. What should I do next? And he gave me this weird look and he was like, like I have nothing for you. And then later that day, he like pulled me aside. He's a man of few words. So it was weird for him to like pull me aside to talk. And he was like, when you came and asked me what you should be doing today, never do that again. 
you know what you should be doing. You were hired for this role because we trust you to know what you should be doing. So don't ever come to me looking for a checklist, please. And you have to understand, I was at the beginning of my career. I thought, I don't know anything. How can I know what to be doing? But again, that idea of confidence of even if you don't know what you need to be doing, you know what you should be learning about to get to the place of what you need to be doing. You know who you should be talking to. Um, but ultimately, like be be confident in like self-direction, I think is really, really key. Um, and finding that confidence in self-direction. Um, it's also something that I admire, like in my colleagues and, and people on my team. Um, trust yourself. Like you, you know what you need. Don't don't be looking for someone else to tell you what to do. You got it. Just figure it out. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, totally agree with that. That's really cool. Anyway, Talia, thank you so much for your time. It's honestly had the best conversation with you. I hope we can chat again. Thank you so much, Sarah. I had so much fun. This was amazing. Um, and you're doing like amazing work. And I'm just really happy to be involved. Well, have a lovely day. You too. Thank you so much, Sarah. Take care. Bye. Bye. How amazing was that? I absolutely love that conversation. I genuinely got so much out of it and I really hope you did too. Community is really where we thrive. So I'm encouraging all of you listening now to go and find the, the amazing women in e-commerce network. Um, you can find it on the Yotpo website um, or you can find it on Slack. So that's the end of episode two. Obviously, massive thanks to Talia. Thank you so much for giving up your time. And I'd also like to thank the team at 5874 Commerce who have helped me pull this podcast together and will continue to do so because let's face it, I need your help. And also a huge thanks to our fab partners at Big Commerce who support and sponsor the Women's Domain campaign and who are generally just some of our favourite people to work with. And lastly, thank you to you, our lovely listeners. Um, if you have enjoyed this episode, please share it, like it, rate it. And if you never want to miss out on an episode, which of course, why would you? Um, subscribe. You can subscribe on Apple, on Google or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, until next time. Mm.